Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. As we get started, I want you to think about the idea of religion and one of the first things that come to mind is extreme criticism Mm. it's so common that as soon as people become christians it seems like everyone around you becomes an expert at becoming a christian and points at all of your faults of what you're not doing right as a christian Um, it it just is like the moment you decide to try to follow after god all these people that um, are either in your life or barely in your life Um, just have such high thoughts and high expectations of what they want you to be like. Just so critical. And what I found is that what those people actually want you to be is a doormat. Mm. Um, They want you to be either a doormat or a punching bag. And they want you to just um, smile and take it, turn the other cheek. Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? You're not supposed to talk back to me. Mm. (laughs) And it's just this this, uh, super critical idea that that people have towards Christians, towards towards believers. And I want you to know that when it comes to you and your faith, it is just, the Bible says so often, um, Jesus himself says that the to count the cost of becoming a, a believer because there will be persecution, persecutions, there will be trials, um, it will not be easy. And uh, it, he says that, his word that his gospel will will cause even father against son mother against daughter brother against brother that it is a divisive gospel because what fellowship does light have with darkness in other words what what fellowship does a believer have with an unbeliever jesus is the one that made the phrase you're either for me or against me Mm -hmm. and it's not in this uh, uh a spiteful tense but it's in it's in the term that that uh, there is one God, and any uh, Jesus claims that any other God is a false God, and, and in fact, the Bible says that it's even demonic. And so, when when the world that does not want to follow Jesus mm-hmm. um, finds out that you are following Jesus, it just is natural reaction to attack you. Right. And you're gonna feel so many people that have become believers feel that aggression, and they don't even understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about this point, Lauren? Um, I think it's very true, and I think um, especially when you begin uh, to really want to like follow after God and pursue your relationship with God, you will see this, and and um, it's almost hard to miss, you know. And and a lot of people come at you that may not even be um, close to God or wanting to, but yet they um, all of a sudden come to you and act like they are, and then criticize every move you make because as soon as you you may not even be putting the label on yourself as Christian like or this or that but they will because they see that you're desiring a different lifestyle you're desiring to have a relationship with God and religion like we're talking about today the concept of religion has a most times put a bad rap on God himself in a relationship with him. A lot of times when you, when we think about God in a relationship with him, we think about everything that religion brings to it. We think God is, he's carrying this bag of religion. And like, Mm. if you want God, you want religion. If you want God, you want, you have to be perfect. It comes with the whole package of, of expectations. And so because God is looked at that way, when you choose to really pursue God just for who he is, people will come at you with this whole religious mindset. And I think it's always crazy when those who come at you, and the Bible even says it, like peop, even your own family will come at you, you know, unfortunately. And whether they're, most of the times are not where you're at and they're going to come at you accusing you. And all of a sudden they have this label and expectation on you to never mess up. <laughs> to never um, feel sad anymore, to never, um, you know, have an outburst of frustration. You know, we're all trying here (laughs) to never act in any way that is wrong. But yet their excuse to treat you a certain way is because you're a Christian and you Mm. have to take it, you know. And so anyways, um, I think when it, you know, this whole first point about criticism 
I feel like a lot of times it really follows this whole religious mindset, yeah. you know, and it's, I know, you know, as we talk about it more, that's just not God's heart <laughs> and that's yeah. not at all. And God, um, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he talked so much about religion and the negative aspect that yeah. that has been put on it and what it all means. And so for those of you who are like, oh, Jesus is all about religion and it's all religious. If you take time to really read about, you know, what Jesus said, you will find that Jesus hated the concept of like legalistic religion. He yeah. All of that, he did not like it. But what he did promote, what he did come to share is his love and what he did for us on the cross and what he did for our sins, not what yeah. religion can do to make us good. And so, anywho, yeah. <laughs> anywho, you know, it, it's just like what you're touching on is that he, he really led us to authenticity with mm-hmm. the Father. Mm-hmm. And religion is a facade. Religion is a show. And when you even think about your hesitations with church, most of the time it's it's the fear of being judged by others. And mm-hmm. it's this idea that you have to wear your Sunday suit yeah. and pretend to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought it was hilarious going to church and being criticized for stupid stuff. And in my head, I'd be thinking like, I don't even watch some of the movies that you watch because of how like messed up they are, how inappropriate they are. And yet you're judging me for this this simple thing that's not even a having biblical. holes on your pants or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're holy. You know? Yeah, that was a Homer joke. Yeah, that was yeah, good. That was good. Um, but it it's uh, what what it really boils down to is that I feel like human nature has a heart of criticism, yeah. and it comes from that desire of trying to be like God in the negative sense of feeling the right to judge others, mm-hmm. and. I, the heart that we have in sharing this part about criticism is for you to feel justified to one, not be anybody's doormat. Mm-hmm. And for two, um, for you to look within yourself in the areas that you've found extreme criticism outward. And I want to uh, just say that there is so many times that Christians themselves uh, have criticized their way out of great churches in great relationships because um, they were just they just went with the flow of that natural judgmental attitude mm-hmm. and they criticized their way right out of a great church yeah. right out of a good friendship mm-hmm. right out of a good relationship because they were so critical yeah. and I just want to read this verse um, in Romans chapter 2 verse 1 through 4 Paul says you may think you can condemn such people but you are just as bad and you have no excuse when you say they are wicked and should be punished you are condemning yourself for you who judge others do these very same things and we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Mm. The reason I love this verse for this part is because it's completely contrary to the way that we see God religiously. Mm -hmm. Religiously, we see God as this judgmental, hypercritical, legalistic Mm -hmm. boss that is just waiting to slam dunk people to hell. But here, this verse is saying, Paul is literally reprimanding people, saying, how could you be so critical of others Mm -hmm. when you struggle with the same exact things? Is is their struggle that much different from your struggle? And he just tells them, look back at yourselves instead of trying to to examine every person's fault. Mm -hmm. And then it says at the end that God's kindness is what draws us to repentance, while religion leads us to believe that's got fear of God Mm -hmm. that draws us to repentance. It's a fear, uh, fear God, repent for the kingdom of God is, is coming. That whole, that whole concept is to make you be afraid of going to hell, so go to God. Mm-hmm. And here the scripture is saying that it's God's incredible kindness that draws us to repentance. Yeah. It says tolerant, how wonderfully co- to- uh, kind and tolerant and patient God is. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, that... that that word right there, tolerant, is it can be a curse word in certain aspects of Christianity. 
And here it's saying, God, it's saying that God is incredibly tolerant. What it's saying is that he is so patient to where we are in our walk with God that he looks at our hearts on our journey, not, not our doing or not doing. He looks at our heart and just trying to do our best and forget the yeah. rest. And so with that being said, I want us to go into willful ignorance, um, willful ignorance. And the idea of criticism is often founded on ignorance. Most unbelievers, for some reason, know exactly what a Christian is supposed to be like, which is a doormat, even though they've never been a Christian themselves. Mm -hmm. For some reason, uh, atheists <laughs> claim that uh, claim that the Bible has so many contradictions when they've never read it themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it, what people often do in their ignorance is just repeat what they've heard from other people's ignorance. Mm -hmm. And it creates this long chain of, of just common quotes or common ideas or thoughts that have no grounds. That it's all based off of ignorance, but it just gets repeated over and over. Mm -hmm. And when it, uh, the same goes for those who have such great opinions on how church should be. Or what the pastor should be talking about, or even though, uh, or even just how a Christian should behave. It's, it's like the idea of saying, well, this that uh, this pastor is no good because he doesn't preach enough Jesus, or he doesn't preach enough holiness, or he doesn't say repent. Yeah. And the people that say things like that have never even prepared a sermon before, have not even finished reading their whole Bible before, and there's so much accusation and criticism that comes out of a complete foundation of ignorance of not knowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I can be highly critical of politics just like anyone else, mm -hmm. but when I take a step back and, and, and take a, a step away from, from pride and a hard heart, and I go into that place of humility, what I find is that if I imagine myself in the position of one of these politicians, I wouldn't know what to do. At the end of the day, I wouldn't know how to make a, a trillion dollar budget. I could barely make a budget for our household. How yeah. could I make one for that much? It, it seems indescribable. Mm -hmm. and, and yet we have such high ideas of these complicated situations mm -hmm. that, and we think that there's oversimplified solutions when it's just not true. Mm -hmm. And now I want to relate it to the, to the average Christian. See, what religion does is say that there's simple solutions for complicated struggles within a person's life. Mm -hmm. You know, every Christian's walk is similar, but not one person's Christian walk is the same as somebody else. Mm -hmm. Even the more that people study psychology, the more that they find how every detail of a person's upbringing defines their, their, their humanity and their future. Anyone that's ever been to counseling will tell you that just even finding out like that one comment that that second grade teacher told you <laughs> that changed your life forever. Honestly, <laughs> you know, yeah. it completely trajectorized you into a path of a mindset because of that one comment. Yeah. Or that whether you had your parent, your mom or dad there, or only your mom there, or your dad was this way and your mom was that way. And people are literally defined by such intricate details of their lives. And, and then when it comes to being a Christian, we, the religion puts a, a blanket over everybody and says everyone just behaves like this. Mm -hmm. And it's just not reality. It's not practical. It's, it's not real. Mm -hmm. And my heart in sharing this is for you to throw off the chains of religion and find freedom in your walk with God being unique and individual. And as we pursue God together as a community on a journey, everyone can, we can relate to each other. We can identify with each other. And, but there's not one person that is exactly like the other. Mm -hmm. But what do you think about what I'm saying, Lauren? Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing comes to mind when it comes, like what, what you're saying right now is, um, just uh, just pursuing your relationship with Christ and and you know these times where we're willfully ignorant but even going back to like criticism you know I feel like so many times um, think about your own personal life have you ever been around someone 
Maybe that's you. Maybe that's me, right? But have you ever been in a situation with someone who's highly critical and maybe you're sharing like, oh, I went to this new church and it was awesome and this and that and then or or some good experience and they say, oh, but isn't that the pastor that's like kind of like weird or <laughs> isn't that where they always talk about money? You know, you, you hear that for, that's like everyone's thing or isn't that, you know, oh, are you sure? And if you don't learn or come to a place in your life where you think for yourself mm. and analyze and observe things for yourself with a pure heart, then you will easily just be like, oh, you know what? They were kind of weird. Yeah, maybe I will never go back again. <laughs> you know, or you they know must what? Be evil. <laughs> you know what? They did talk about, you know, this whole tithing thing for two seconds. You know what? They are all about money. <laughs> you know, um, and and if you don't think for yourself as a Christian and observe and analyze for yourself, you are going to yeah. easily be swayed away from life giving, lifelong opportunities that will benefit your life because yeah. of that one person who probably will never go to church with you, but they have opinions about any church you go to, any community you com- uh, connect with, because they don't want that life-giving, positive life change, but you do. And so a lot of times people on the other side that maybe your friend and been there for a while, that's great. But if you're not careful just because of their influence in your life, that doesn't mean you have to listen to it or follow it. You have to be strong and say, well, you know what? Um, I really enjoyed it, and I'm going to give it a chance. And if something is not right, I'm going to see it for myself. You know, but... I feel like so many times nowadays we just go with whatever people say, whether you're critical or other people have opinions about what you're doing in your life for like the better. And then you end up just altogether closing that door when it was supposed to be a life-giving opportunity for you. So don't be ignorant in that area. Don't be willfully like, oh, you know what? You're right, Susie. Like whatever you say always makes sense, you know? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. So don't don't follow those things. Think for yourself and, and really take hold of the opportunity to seek God more, to seek life-giving community and give people a chance. Because yeah. just like the first point, no one's going to be perfect. Like your your pastor's not going to be perfect or whoever and whatever. Just just remember that. And so, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's so powerful. I remember um, the church that when I first started going to the church, and people start telling me like, oh, don't you know that they brainwash you there? Mm, and I was classic. like, what? <laughs> I was like, you been? Well, no, but that's what I heard. What I was say. like, okay, you're dumb. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. You're just listening to what somebody else told you. Did they even go? Well, I don't know, but I mean, they must have if they said that. Yeah. And it's just, a cult. It's uh, weird. It, it's just <laughs> this idea of trusting just what anybody tells you. The reason that it's easy is because you don't have to investigate yourself. Mm-hmm. But this idea about willful ignorance, it's a choice of not learning something because it's easier to just believe whatever you feel. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to religion, our our religion has Christianity at only 9% of Christians reading the Bible. And the reason that so many Christians avoid the Bible altogether is because they're afraid of of God condemning them or uh, feeling exposed or God forbid growing a conviction to where they feel like they need to repent of certain things. And yeah. I, it brings me back to when I was still smoking weed as a Christian and I, I was really just growing closer to God. And the closer I grew to God, it was just like the, the more confident I was in his love for me. But religion says the closer you get to God, the more condemned you're going to feel. It's completely reverse psychology. Yeah. And there was a moment when I was, I was literally smoking weed one day, and I thought I was developing schizophrenia okay. because I started feeling and hearing voices. And I felt like the, now I know it was the Holy Spirit speaking and said so clearly, do you think that smoking weed is a sin? Do you think that it's, it's, uh, it's hurting your life? Is it hindering your growth as a, in your faith? And I remember just feeling really conflicted because I really like smoking weed. <laughs> it was like instant peace. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what day I had, I could at least just toke up at the end of the day and feel better. <laughs> what, because I said toke? It's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how y'all know I was serious. Yeah, that was years and years ago, just in case you're like, what, like yeah. last year? Ten years ago. <laughs> um, but, and I remember um, 
consciously answering this voice, this, this unction and saying, well, I don't know if it is or isn't. And so it's okay. Cause I'm ignorant of it. So yeah. you can't blame me. I didn't know any better mm. is, was my response. And then I felt the scariest thing in the world. And when this voice said, why don't you find out? And that put me in this position where if I were to answer in any other way of, uh, rather than just saying, okay, I'll find out, it would have left me in this place of willful ignorance. Mm -hmm. And it just didn't settle with me to yeah. be in that place. And so I ended up try doing all the research and I, I would only look up the benefits of marijuana because <laughs> I wanted to just justify and give good reason of why I should keep doing it. But even though I searched only for good aspects of what I was trying to hold on to, the more and more the Holy Spirit convicted me. Mm -hmm. Again, it was counterintuitive, but it was because I was making actions to try to grow my faith. Yeah. And even though I was seeing one thing, the Holy Spirit was speaking another thing to me. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I finally told God, I'm going to go on a seven-day fast to where I'm not going to smoke weed for seven days. Now, that was a big deal, Lauren, yeah, okay? No, I believe it. And, and it was the, one of the, probably the hardest fasts I ever did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. And by the third day, God made it so abundantly clear to me that I could trust him with that peace. Mm. He didn't tell me, he didn't condemn me. He didn't make me feel like I was a dirty, ugly person for wanting to hold on to drugs. He so gently comforted me and allowed me to see this amazing trust and grace in his peace that I could literally trust him with that. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, I, I urge you to stop living in willful ignorance out of fear. There's no reason to, to, to try to stay farther away from God. It, it will you'll just eventually abandon your faith because it's a horrible place to be. And you, you, I really just urge you to, to put on the belt of truth. You know, the, the Bible gives the, in Ephesians, it says the armor of God, that to put on the armor of God daily. It has the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the sword, strengthen your arms to hold the, the sword of the spirit mm. and the shield of faith. And then it says to put on the belt of truth. And for years, I remember just thinking, well, that doesn't seem that big of a deal. Like to hold your pants up, like, <laughs> like that, that doesn't seem like armor ready. Right. But then I was realizing like, well, I got a connection that, that the Holy Spirit helped me to, to see what it was for. And it, it connected me to where like a weightlifter's belt mm -hmm. to where when you're in battle, the, the belt that they would wear would actually help strengthen their back. Yeah. And that's what the belt of truth does is that it strengthens your backbone. Mm, that's good. It strengthens your backbone as a Christian and your faith. And when you choose to live in willful ignorance, you stay in a place where you have a spineless faith that just bends to whatever way your circumstances fall on you. Mm -hmm. But when you have a strong backbone, you're able to carry your faith through those circumstances. Whatever, however hard they are, however, uh, no matter good or bad, you're having a strong backbone will carry you through those circumstances. But you only develop that by knowing what truth is. Mm -hmm. And that means you have to find out what truth is. And the only way to do that is by searching your faith by by of course going to church but even especially reading the bible yourself mm -hmm. i mean we're pastors i mean we we literally our job is to teach scripture and here we are begging you to read scripture for yourself because you will get so much more out of scripture your faith will be so much more edified you will grow closer to god mm -hmm. if you read scripture yourself and I want to just end this point on this, this small section in Acts chapter 17. It's kind of a story, but I'm going to try to go through it fast mm -hmm. so that we can identify with it. This is Paul on his uh, second missionary journey, and he's in Athens now. And it says, Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You were saying rather strange things, and we want to know what it is all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. 
Sounds just like our world today on mm-hmm. YouTube. Mm. Uh, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. That's a plug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For as I was talking, as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it. To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing, just like so many of us in our religion and mm-hmm. our faith, is the one I'm telling you about. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands cannot serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Just right there real quick. Isn't that so powerful that Paul's literally addressing this this group of people that are complete pagans worship all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and he's telling them that god moves on our hearts to where hoping that we could feel our way towards him yeah. it's expressing that within every human being there's this inner knowing that there's a creator who loves them mm-hmm. a heavenly father that desires them and that if we could just follow that unction and that leading that we will find him just by that feeling Isn't that a powerful thing to realize? Mm -hmm. And so going on, it says, Though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. So even no matter how far you feel like you are from God, it says that we're not that far from him. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance That's crazy. about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him for he set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead hashtag grape top church mm. and so right here this is in about 50 to 60 ad and paul is saying that god is putting in he's no longer accepting people's willful ignorance yeah. that was in That is in a time where the apostles were spreading the gospel by foot. Now, not only is the Bible the number one printed book in the world, but it's accessible for free on every person's smartphone, Mm -hmm. unless you live in a communistic country. (laughs) It is accessible on every single person's smartphone through the YouVersion Bible app. And so to think... That if then God was was tired of people's ignorances, was no longer going to accept it. How much more now when we have the truth so readily available, yet we neglect it? Mm-hmm. What do you think about everything we're saying, Lauren? Yeah, um, it makes me think of two verses um, in the Bible and um, where they are exactly. I'll let you know later. But in, in Ecclesiastes, <laughs> it says there's a verse that pretty much says um, that God has put on the human heart mm. a desire to know Him. In so many words. And I remember reading that not too long ago again and just thinking like, he has put it within our hearts. And it's so easy that so many of us literally ignore it or act ignorant towards it or just really dismiss it. But it is in everybody's heart. And it looks different for everyone. Whether they they realize that that need is for God himself, which is God who gave it to them. But nowadays, people feel that need. They feel that desire, but they go to idols. They go to other things. They go through all to all these spiritual awakening kind of concepts, especially nowadays. Whether it's crystals, what else? I mean, there's all come drugs, rock and roll. Um, (laughs) I'm joking. And so, you know, we go to all these other things when all along that desire that God Himself put in our heart was for him and when we finally realize that we finally find fulfillment in mm-hmm. him none of those things ever fulfill i mean what can a crystal really do for you nothing you know yeah 
No. And then there's another verse um, uh, somewhere in the Bible that says, uh, dang it, my, it just went away. But it pretty much says the same thing. Oh, it talks about, you know, before Jesus Christ um, died for us, you know, we had the law. You know, God mm. wrote the law out and gave it to Moses. That's how we were, um, we were un- able to comprehend and understand what the law was, uh, the Ten Commandments, to, you know, to, to try to follow, to please God in a sense or have a relationship with him. But after Jesus Christ, you know, did what he did for us, there's a verse that talks about in the new way, in the gospel, it says that the Ten Commandments, in so many words, that the commandments, that the way to the Father, that all of that is written on our heart and every human being doesn't just see it on these tablets, it's imprinted on our heart whether there you go see this guy knows (laughs) you know i've read it but he knows and so but my point is it talks about that everybody has it written on our hearts and so many times we ignore it so many times we are willfully ignorant and we're like no like i just don't believe at the end of the day i truly and strongly believe that we all feel that that desire to know god we all have that impression on our heart of a desire to have this relationship with him and everything else that comes with it you know and so i just feel like it's um you know just like i said like nowadays and your point is like we're just so willfully ignorant to it but god has told us and shown us that no we have no more room to be ignorant towards it. We have yeah. no more justification. We're not justified anymore in our ignorance. And that may sound harsh, but that's not God's heart. His heart is just saying, like, I have made it so evident that yeah. I love you, that I, what I did for you, that I want you, that I want a relationship with you. I have made it obvious. And there's more scriptures that say, like, when you look even at the stars in the sky, you know, in, in everything that he created, God is within everything and it's all around us, so we have no excuse to really be justified in denying him, if that makes sense, you know, or, or running from him. And he wants us to know that his heart has always been for us and doing everything he, that he can to just yeah. bring us into a relationship with him. And so, yeah. Yeah, and I, I want to even narrow in what Lauren's saying, too, about the looking at it at a broad spectrum for the world uh, the, uh, God has made it uh, obvious to the world now let's narrow it down to the individual Christian and believer and that I think is is where we need to really stop making excuses as Christians if you call yourself a Christian if you say that you're a believer then it is time to stop making excuses of why you cannot grow in your faith yeah it, it, the simplest way to grow in your faith is by reading the Bible. I mean, like that is for me. That's how I gave my life to Christ. I was a, a great sinner. Mm-hmm. I was a horrible, horrible person. I did a lot of violent things, a lot of horrible things. I stole. I did drugs. I, I was just not good. Yeah. And God completely changed my life through reading Scripture. Mm-hmm. And. It is so profound to me that there are people that have grown up with this this idea of Christianity, but but yet have been Christians longer than I have, and yet I've read the Bible more times than them. That doesn't make sense to me, Mm -hmm. and it goes to show that it's not the year of the car, but but how many miles it's been Mm, driven. There you go, babe. That's it. That's where that came from. I had to I had to set the tone back a little bit. I I didn't want to come across too aggressive, but honestly, guys, let's. Let's. This isn't a, a pity party, but just a moment for us to make a decision. Say, you know what? I need to. I need to get it together. I need to just start doing my best and forgetting the rest. Mm. And today, I want to start growing in my faith by knowing what truth is, mm-hmm. learning God's truth and His Word. So finally, that leads us to this unnecessary insecurity that we have when it comes to religion. Mm-hmm. Religion produces insecurity within people. I mean, even the idea of starting the Bible, the most unread book of the Bible is Revelation because people are so scared of what's in that book. Mm -hmm. Yet the very first chapter says, blessed is every person that reads this book. It shows how there is not a reason to be insecure about so many aspects when it comes to God. Mm -hmm. But religion leads us to believe that there is. Truth really casts out all fear. That God's love casts out all fear. 
and it casts off this insecurity. And this, uh, it's not just like we read earlier. It's not the fear of God that draws us to repentance, but his kindness. Mm -hmm. God shows us so much in scripture, how much grace and love that he has for us. And I feel like at the beginning of my walk with God, because I had such a radical life change, I was super critical in my faith towards others. I was when I gave my life to Christ, I was pointing the finger at everyone. You've been a Christian for three years and you still haven't done this. And, <laughs> and I was just like on all fired up and I was so uh, overly zealous. So, well, I don't want to say overly zealous, but I was so zealous and still ignorant at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the more that I grew closer to God, the more I expounded on this knowledge of grace and love that I started off so legalistic, but the more I went deeper into God's word, the more I realized that I didn't have to have any insecurity in my faith, Mm -hmm. that I didn't have to have insecurity in God's love for me. Mm -hmm. How many times have you as a Christian uh, struggled with the thought like, am I even saved? Mm -hmm. Uh, Does God really love me? Mm -hmm. Do I have a purpose? Mm -hmm. You know, these are questions where at the beginning of our faith, it was so, that's what brought us to Christianity is realizing that we were saved, realizing that God loved us, realizing that God gave a purpose to us. But because we stay away from truth, we we go back into this insecurity and doubting all the very things that brought us to Him. And I want to just look at one last story because I feel like God's love is best seen in the prodigal son. And I don't I don't really often share stories about the prodigal son just because it's a really common story. But I want to just go through the whole story real quick because like I said, only 9% of Christians read the Bible, so most of us don't even know what the story says, just yeah. glimpses. So let's just read it together real fast. Yeah, story time. So to illustrate the point further, by the way, this is in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 32. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Super disrespectful, by the way. That's right. <laughs> A few days later... This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. Mm-hmm. I want to pause right here real quick and let's just kind of like take a step back. Mm-hmm. This this kid asked for his inheritance before he his father died. As a parent, yeah. Let me just say if any of you've ever experienced parenting at all, <laughs> I mean just when my little girl takes my phone and says, "Mine." I'm like, "Girl, you give that back right. That's mm-hmm. not that's mine." <laughs> Uh, just with like, just with paying bills. I mean, how, if you've ever heard a parent say like, "You're, you're, yeah, you're using my electricity." <laughs> like, yeah, it makes sense now. I mean, <laughs> I understand things like that. Like never before that. You like the AC in here? Well, I paid for that. <laughs> and so, for this kid to say, "Give me my inheritance now," what he's saying is, "I just want a free handout, mm-hmm. and I'm technically supposed to get this when you die." But just give it to me now because you're dead to me anyway. Mm. As a parent, I would have probably smacked the hell out of him. (laughs) But taking a step back, that's not the way the story goes. This dude, the father gives it to him, says, okay, I guess sometimes you just got to learn on your own. And at the point where this kid spit, wasted it all, completely wasted it, he was not ready to be responsible with the blessing that he was asking for. Ooh, did that preach something else? That's though? something. That's uh, something. But it says that he wasted it all, was starving to death, and then and then uh, he's at this point. Any parent might be quick to say, mm-hmm. "I told you so." Honestly, yeah. <laughs> but what did I say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Oh, I bet you're crawling back. Mm-hmm. I bet you're starving. Uh huh. <laughs> be so ready to just just call it out. I'm like, yeah, you should have listened to me. Mm -hmm. Let's now see how this story finishes. It says, 
When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, Mm -hmm. his father saw him coming and ran up to him and said, I told you so. (laughs) No, it says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. Hashtag Gravetop Church. (laughs) He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I want us to stop here and just see the unbelievable love and forgiveness and grace that the father gives to this son. Mm -hmm. And here Jesus is saying, this is what the father is like. And I, I just feel like it's needed to point out that the father never once pointed out the son's mistakes, but religion Makes us feel like if I go to God, he's going to bring up all of my laundry list of dirty past that I've done. And he's going to expose me and and point the finger at me and make me feel horrible about myself. The whole church is going to burn down. And here it says that he didn't even bring it up. Mm -hmm. He didn't bring up one part of his decision to leave. Didn't bring up one, not even one comment about, I I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Not once. And that is what the Father's love is like for you. I want that to resonate with you. And I want it to minister to you that, that God loves you in this way. And, and I, I was about to go on to, to the rest of this verse, but what it really, the rest of the story, it just shows how his brother was super critical of him. And how even when his, his father was so happy that this son came back, the brother was still crit- critical of his brother's bad decisions. And I just feel like where we're at is a good place to end. And I wanted to ask you, Lauren, what are your final thoughts about this part of the story? Um, I mean, it's just, I, I just really love how it just really shows us because I just feel like religion definitely shows God as a whole different person and who he's not. You know, the concept of religion. Um, pointing the finger, wanting us to be perfect and not mess up and have this checklist. And, and of course, we desire to, to live a life that reflects God and whatever that, you know, that means. And we, we want like our lives to, to look different and to go in a better direction. But at the end of the day, like this verse is showing God's heart. And so many times we're just so afraid to come to him because we think he's going to be waiting for us to condemn us. And, and it makes me think of those times, you know, like that we mess up. Um, and, and we, um, we feel bad and we begin to think about it and it haunts us, the thoughts and the regret and all those things. And so many times when we, whether it's, you know, that somehow directed towards someone and we go to them and even ourselves, our human nature is to be like, yeah, Yeah. well, like it really hurt me. And you really, you know, we want to be justified, but God, it's crazy because God, when we go to him with that, he already knows how bad we feel. He already knows that we know it's a mistake. He already knows that we feel, um, you know, regretful. And so instead of throwing what we already know in our face, his compassionate heart is just to embrace us. And how many times in those moments of our lives do we just wish we could be unconditionally loved and hugged and never have to talk about it again in a sense, you know, like never have to relive the shame and just be cleaned up and move forward. You know, and I feel like religion, sometimes the concept of that brings that feeling of shame, but God doesn't. Like God himself, God is not religion. Like that's so different. God doesn't bring shame, but he brings compassion and understanding and forgiveness and mercy. And and he desires to just get whatever it is out of the way so that he can be with us. His ultimate goal has always been and is still to simply be with us. And he's willing to put those things aside 
as we come with that broken heart, you know, and that, that heart to, to just be with him and leave those things behind, like he's there yeah. to just um, embrace us. And so I really love this story and how you shared it. You know, with that too being said, just like Lauren's saying, this this whole message is leading to a point of realizing that you don't have to be so insecure about God's love for you. Mm-hmm. And the only way to to strengthen that that sim- simplicity is by knowing what truth is. Mm-hmm. We pulled this out of the Bible. We didn't just pull it out of an idea or out of a hat somewhere. Yeah. This is from scripture. And every time that you've been encouraged by a message, by a sermon, it comes from scripture. Mm-hmm. And so why not go to the source yourself and be built up in your faith? Those moments, the, I challenge you that the moments that you feel insecure in any way between you and God, to dive deeper into him, mm-hmm. to dive deeper into his word and prayer, what, whatever it looks like, but to do something to grow closer to him in the moments that you feel insecure. Mm -hmm. Because I guarantee that in those moments, you'll realize how much greater the truth is in your fear. Mm -hmm. And that being said, I want you to just right where you're at, have a moment where you pray. And I want you to just ask yourself, what is it, God, that you are speaking to me right now? What is it that you are trying to tell me right now? Ask God right where you're at. And as you're praying that, I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray that you minister to every heart that's listening to this and that you minister to their very deepest part of their soul and show them what your truth is. Show them how you see them. I hear the words loved, forgiven, holy, pure. I feel like there's somebody that's listening to this that feels so dirty and unlovable. And I just feel like God is just saying over and over, no, my child, you are pure and you are loved. Those are not the words I spoke over you. The words I speak over you are pure and loved. And God, I pray that you just finish what you started in them. In Jesus name. If you feel like you are at a point where you need to make a choice, a decision in your faith, I feel like decisions need to be made. Mm-hmm. So often we allow religion to lead us to wishful thinking. This this wishful thinking about God, like, well, hopefully I grow closer to God. Mm-hmm. That doesn't that's a again, that's a lie of religion. True closeness with God is a decision that we make. And everyone's journey looks different, but It's the decision to start that journey that changes your life. And if that's you and you are listening to this and you're ready to make a choice, the Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, that he's the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead, that if you do that, that that's as simple as it is to start this relationship, this walk with him says, surely you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. And from this that, that moment forward of your decision, it's just a journey that we're stepping out for. And the way, one of the imageries that's given in the Bible is, is like a, when you give your life to Christ, it's like a stick being snatched from a fire. And w- when you turn to God, it's like you're snatched from this fire of sin in the world. And even though you're snatched from that that fire and you have a life change instantly, there still are going to be there's still going to be parts of you that are smoldering, that are embering, that you're still going to smell like smoke, and it's a the sanctification process is something that starts immediately, but it lasts sometimes a long time, mm-hmm. and there's some of you that it, you've just like me a lifetime of sin. It doesn't always go away in just an instant. The decision starts in an instant. Mm-hmm. But the, the journey is something that, that is, is just like a course. Mm-hmm. And over time, you'll smell less like smoke. Over time, there's more embers that go out. And you need to give yourself the same kind of grace and love that God gives you. Mm-hmm. 
and allowing yourself to get back up in the times that you fall. Yeah. And just uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I don't want you to have an emotional high right now and nine months from now feel discouraged because of insecurity in your faith to where you end up abandoning your faith altogether. That's unnecessary insecurity. I want you to know that you can walk closer to God and not be perfect on day one. It's been 10 years for me and I know it seems like I'm perfect, yeah, but I'm be. still a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> and you need, to, you need to know that nine months from now, you're, you're probably not going to be perfect. You're going to be a lot, you're going to be so much different than you are right now. But in nine months from now, you're going to literally think that you're worse than you were when you started. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. And so I, I hope that's encouraging to you guys. Um, I, I just really was excited to share this message. We yeah. loved it in, in person today. Yeah. But any final thoughts for you on this, Lauren? I mean, um, not necessarily. Besides, yeah. like, it just is just just so awesome to just really, really have an understanding and, like, realize, like, God's heart. And yeah. I just feel like he's always so misunderstood and how important it is to really um, learn and understand yeah. his heart and love for you is very important. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Lauren. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, with that being said, we're going to let you guys go. Um, I'm so grateful for you all who have been uh, tuning in and listening. And those of y'all who can't come in person, we still love our online church. Yes. Um, we still feel so connected to y'all. So thank you, Stephanie Ham, for watching. Helen, thanks for getting a double dose. Sarah Hackert, mm-hmm. do your best and forget the rest. That's <laughs> that's one of our values at yeah, Gravetop. She knows. Um, Lucy, I saw you jump on. Thank you all for being a part. And if you have it on your heart to give today, um, you can do that by just going to gravetop.com. Click the Give tab. Tells you all the different ways to give there. You can give online. You could give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. Um, and when you do give, it truly makes a difference at Gravetop Church. It allows us to continue to connect with real people and help them to have a community to walk alongside them, so that nobody ha- that that um, so that people don't have to go on this journey alone. You make that possible. Um, through your giving. And so we're so grateful for those of you who tithe um, and give 10%. And those of y'all who simply donate, we love y'all so much and we're so grateful. That being said, uh, have a great night and we'll see y'all next week. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website gravetop.com and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.